Yo, 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 Big Sky Breakdown. What's up, everybody? Coulter Nuanez, SkylineSportsMT.com. The weekend is here. We've been talking about it since the summer, I feel like. We've been touching on it on the Big Sky Breakdown and on Nuanez Now, on my daily radio show, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. The date that we circled as the first of the judgment days in the Big Sky Conference was this upcoming Saturday, October 22nd. We thought that if everything went according to plan, to the top four teams in the Big Sky Conference. We'd have two top ten showdowns. One in Bozeman with Montana State hosting Weaver State and the other in Sacramento with Montana traveling to Sac State to play at Hornet Stadium National TV. And the only thing that really didn't go according to plan is that Montana stubbed their toe. They lost to Idaho, actually got whooped by Idaho. It was only a one point or one touchdown spread, 30 to 23, but I thought Idaho physically manhandled them and uh, came into Washington Grizzly Stadium and sort of had their way with the Grizzlies. So a lot to respond from for the Grizz. We're going to get to all of that here. Still though, that's uh, number two versus number seven when you're talking about Sac State and Montana. And then you got number three versus number five when you talk about Weber State playing at Montana State, the Bobcats third ranked, Weber State fifth ranked. So even if it wasn't quite according to script, pretty damn close, and it's still going to have huge Big Sky ramifications here uh, for every team involved on this showdown Saturday on October 22nd. Got the A-team back in line. Everybody back in the saddle for the first time in uh, about a month as far as our main primary analysts here at Skyline Sports. Get things started off with Brooks Nuana. It's a great conversation about both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. A lot of great observations about the quarterback play, uh, particularly when it comes to Lucas Johnson. Some very interesting critiques. So be sure that you stick around and stay tuned to that. There's a lot of things that Brooks can see down the camera lens when he's actually looking right at guys' faces at the line of scrimmage that maybe most, if not all of us, are not going to ever see. So pretty good insight there from Brooks. Also, some interesting insight about the Cats, their run game, Tommy Malott, and uh, all that sort of stuff, the stuff the Cats are doing defensively as well. Ty Gregorak joins us then, and uh, he short and sweet this week because he had a couple cases. He's uh, working for Striker Orthopedic in the spine division, so he's in the operating room quite a bit, and he had a case got moved up right into our time slot. So, uh, you know, I think that people getting spine surgery are probably a lot more important than us BSing about football. So appreciate Ty taking some time like he did. And uh, then we'll get to Andrew Houghton, and we'll talk about some of uh, the biggest surprises, biggest disappointments so far in the Big Sky Conference, and some more analysis about uh, the Grizz, the Cats, and everybody else. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications. Let Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Nick Tabor and Westpac Wealth helping make your life more tax efficient. J&V Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. And Town Pump Food Stores, Montana's best, keeping you fooled up no matter where you're at in the Treasure State. Also have to thank all of our Fit During Football sponsors as well. I've been trying to really keep the fitness honed in. Keep the mind fresh. I made a lot of health changes in my life. Gave up the the drinking, gave up the boozing, and uh, been trying to eat as healthy as possible. And so been staying on track with the help from the guys over at uh, Nutrition on Reserve here in Missoula as I sit here in the Garden City. The uh, high-protein intake, it helps you a lot. It helps curb the appetite, helps, also helps with muscle recovery, helps you feel fresh. My mind feels great, and uh, it helps you work out a lot harder as well. So that's been uh, a welcome addition for me and also been hitting hard at both the Hype House, uh, which is a cycling and strength studio 
Uh, awesome place, very welcoming environment. Totally outside my comfort zone, but they have awesome spin classes, but also awesome strength classes too. So you can get your lifting in over there as well and uh, get some high resistance type training. That's uh, really good for building that lean muscle mass. And also got to say thanks to Hot House Yoga. They've been great as well, uh, helping me relax, wind down, you know, it, it, but it does, it kind of juices you up a little bit too, you know, cause you, you get to sit there and be with your thoughts and stretch it out. And it's very challenging physically too. A lot of body weight strength being built as well, but you kind of just get to be, you just get to be, and you get to let, let go of things and, and really explore your own mind. And, uh, it helps you return to center. And then if you're doing it early in the day or in the middle of the day, boom, you hit it and charge hard towards the rest of the day. So God, thanks all those great sponsors for uh, helping me out. If you want to learn more, visit all their websites, Nutrition on Reserve, Hype House, and the Hot House Yoga Studio. Check out all those fine sponsors if you're trying to get fit. I promise you, you won't regret the decision. Brooks Nuanez, SkylandSportsMT.com co-founder and my main man, talking all things football. It's a good one. Enjoy yourself. Thanks for listening to the Big Sky Breakdown. Well, we made it big. Big Sky Breakdown, made it across state lines. We're getting clowned on at the Corner Club in Moscow. I think that means that you're famous. <laughs> Welcome in, Big Sky Breakdown. <laughs> SkylineSportsMT.com. Colter Nuanez, Brooks Nuanez, coming to you here on, uh, crazy to say, the third week of October already. I got egg all over my face it's actually funny because we if we we were just listening back to our podcast last week and we were listening about some of the things that we were sort of concerned about when it came to the Grizz football team yet uh, and I'm usually not in the the uh, game of making pregame predictions but I did say 35-14 I thought Montana would win against the University of Idaho mostly because of two factors I did not think Giovanni McCoy was going to come into Washington Grizzly Stadium and look like the most poised and uh, tough quarterback that the Grizz have seen in a minute. I mean, he looked like Jake Dunaway, but way more athletic. I mean, he just diced the the Grizz offense. I I didn't think that was going to happen, and I thought Montana would have a systematic advantage on special teams. That certainly did not happen. And uh, so, you know, appreciate all the new Idaho people here at the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. And uh, I'm paying my penance. I'm, I'm admitting I was certainly wrong in my prediction, but... Honestly, the thing that's so fascinating about the Grizz, and this is not just this year, it's not the 2022 Grizz, this is the Grizz pretty much since the return of Bobby Houck. I think you could put the 2018, 2019, 2021 Grizz into the same deal. When they're rolling, it's such a frenzy that it even makes the analysis like, whoa, this team is like, they're like nothing I've ever seen before. I don't know if that means that they're the best I've ever seen. I don't think they are, but they're like nothing I've ever really seen because they just mess people up so bad sometimes, and they can just run away with games and just go on these flurries. But the thing that's the thing I think is the most common between these two teams or these teams or since Bobby Howe returned is that when you're analyzing what goes wrong, it's the same. I think that's their biggest issue is that they the coaching staff deserves a ton of credit for how much 
they can get their guys to play in a frenzy and really just roll over teams. But it seems like when they play much more like opponents or they don't seize the momentum early against like opponents, they have a really hard time. They have a really hard time navigating. For those that uh, are out of the news or new listeners or whatever, Montana lost 30-23 to to Idaho. Idaho into the top 25. They're number 17 in this week's poll. The Grizz fell from number two down to, I guess, number three in the stats poll uh, down to number seven. And uh, now sets up a huge game at Sac State on Saturday. We're going to get into this showdown Saturday with two of the biggest games in the league so far this year coming down the pipe. But I'll admit that I was wrong in my score prediction, yet a lot of the issues that Montana experienced this last week are not uncommon in the the few times they have had missteps uh, over these last couple of years. I mean, that was their seventh loss since the beginning of 2019. Uh, and that's against 25 wins, so you know a lot of success. Still, the standard is is higher than that, and uh, it just seems like I know that the Grizz have a crazy passionate fan base, but also the the reasons to sound the alarm being the same seems like reasons to sound the alarm when you're the Grizz. I think it's really good analysis. What's the Grizz issue? The thing that's always been the issue. It's a mom- it's it's a momentum thing, which is real in sports. I got to get off the top here again, Coulter, is that you said that you had egg in your face. Well, being um, unbiased fans of sports, my favorite thing in the world is good games. My favorite thing in the world is when a team that isn't supposed to win, quote unquote, comes and wins. That sounds awesome. There's a, a redshirt freshman quarterback who comes in and goes 21 for 27 in Washington Grizzly Stadium and just literally just rides the lightning for f- four hours. Like, sign me up for that. The craziest part, though, is we've seen some freshman guys like like Chris Marie in 2016 coming into Washington Grizz, and he was riding the lightning. I mean, he was playing outside of his mind. What what you don't know don't hurt you, right? Tommy Lott from from Montana State last year, you know, catching lightning in a bottle, throwing these back shoulder fades, and the momentum you can see it like he's playing outside his mind. I didn't actually think that was the case with Javonte McCoy. He's like a straight dude. Like he he was operating like he was like a fifth year senior. He looked like Vernon Adams more than he looked like those other guys I just named. A hundred percent, man. And people were asking me about you don't aren't quite as versed in football, which is which is absolutely fine. Of what? Why was he clapping all game? This guy was running dummy snap counts, silent into snapping the ball under two seconds on the play clock for literally sixty five to seventy straight plays. Never had offsides. Never had a delay of game. Got sacked twice. I mean, come on now. We've seen head coaches like Western Illinois head coach Ryan Elliott comes to mind. Bob Nielsen from South Dakota comes to mind. That in the post game press conferences they look like they're going to cry because their stuff goes so poorly and they can't operate on offense at all. Part of it is because the ramshackle style of Grizz defense, the heavy metal defense as we've deemed it, when they're at home they seem like a whole nother level. And so much of it's because they have players, specifically Patrick O'Connell, who I, I think is the. And I know you agree. You're actually the one that put this in my head. I think he's the best guy timing up the snap count we've ever covered. Well. I don't run a silent count in Missoula the whole game without any glitches, no false starts. Like you want to know what coaching is? That's what coaching is. That when we when people like say the cliche, oh, Bobby Houck got out coached by Jason Eck. No, that's what coaching is. I'll I'll give you my first two, and we'll get into some more. But the two places where Jason Eck definitely flexed his coaching muscle: the ability to run a silent count the entire game on offense, and the the noticing that in Montana's return game. The return guy, the the return blockers leave early. He pointed it out in the post game press conference. We'll see if teams try to replicate that or not. Or not. I don't know if Montana even watched enough of it to even know that he pointed that out to the public. That's what coaching is. 
Yeah, it's a hundred percent. It's preparation. I mean, coaching happens Monday through Friday, right? I mean, it's 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 game planning and getting your your players aware of what you want to do schematically, but also motivational wise, big important part. But there's nothing more important than, than actually the fundamentals of the mechanics and the procedure of how you're going to go about things. Not that you ran a certain play. Not that you're running right flanker double zip draw three thirty two. That's not what you, that's not what you're worried about. That that'll all happen during the game. You learned all that in August. You learned all that throughout your football career. Knowing how you're going to go about doing it, the why you're going to run that play. That play comes because in your head you know that we're going to try to attack the middle of the field. You know as offensive lineman that you're not moving until someone moves across from you. But understanding how important that is, the preparation that goes into that is everything that matters as, as far as the coaching world goes. The day-to-day in-game stuff, yeah, you can make adjustments at halftime, which Bobby Howe and, and uh, the Montana staff did not do that effectively. And there you go. Adjustments at half and preparation. And it seems like the Idaho was, was, was uh, better at both those things. We're going to come full circle all the way back around to the Grizz. But the other, the rest of the Big Sky Conference played out with sort of the narrative going into last week was this potential of these two showdowns against between undefeated teams. First, in Bozeman between Weber State and Montana State. And then in Sacramento between Montana and Sacramento State. So then the narrative last week between the entire rest of the Big Sky Conference was the trap games that preceded those games. Montana State took care of business against Northern Colorado 37-14 despite being down 14-3 right out the gates. Weber State crushed Portland State 42-7. Idaho State got their first win 40-31 over Cal Poly. UC Davis beat NAU 56-27. And then the other game that was a potential quote-unquote trap game, Sac State Rolled over Eastern Washington, 52-28. So, Sac remained undefeated. Weber remained undefeated. Montana State remained unbeaten in league play. And just the one loss to uh, Pac-12 Oregon State. Montana, the one team that stubbed their toe. I do think credit where credit's due. Idaho came in and and, uh, I thought they played, I thought they executed their style. They set the tone of the game from start to finish. And uh, I also think Idaho's damn good. I think Idaho's a playoff team. I mean, I've... See, you weren't with me for the Eastern Washington game when I went to Cheney, but you were with me when we went and watched UC Davis. I know Davis has struggled. They only have the two wins, but they're, I thought they were talented. I thought Idaho's better. Um, I, th- I think Idaho's is uh, – we haven't seen Weber or Sac State in person yet. I, I've only watched Sac State on the stream a little bit because they've had a little, relatively easy schedule. I have watched Weber on the stream uh, several times. Weber's very good, but Idaho's is pretty good. Like I don't really know how to delineate between – I think – Right now, the power rankings in the league, you got to say it's Sac State, Weber State, Montana State, Montana, and Idaho. But, I, I mean, Idaho is, is not that far away talent-wise uh, from those other teams. But do, do you think – I mean, th- there's been this narrative that's just been getting spouted from the mountaintop since February, it seems like, that the Grizzlies are going to go 6-0 their first six games, and then they had this ultimate showdown at Sacramento, revenge for the two times they've lost to the Hornets. Did that get in the way of the Grizz on Saturday? I don't know how it couldn't have. I mean, I think they've clearly showed that with two games in a row and a bye week in the middle. I mean, they have been they've been pretty bad for a month. I mean, I don't think that you just like you just become a different team overnight. I can't say for sure. I'm not. I don't sleep in their bed. I don't. I don't put on their pants. Right, or however that saying goes. I I think you have to assume that they thought they were going to win these games. I think even like during the fourth quarter and stuff against Idaho State and Idaho, I think they're probably like, "Hey, we're fine." We're gonna win this. And it's like no, you're you're actually getting you're actually getting crushed. Like you're getting smoked. Even if they come out and and somehow like pull out a win versus Idaho, both of the touchdowns to Hayden Hatton 
one right to, before the, the first half ended on the sideline, and another in the third quarter. It was a deep bomb on, on uh, Corbin Walker in coverage. You know, let's say one of those doesn't happen, and it's a tie football game, and somehow the Grizz sneak out a field goal or something to win that game. I still think that Sack is like licking their chops. I still think that like that doesn't help. The resume, of course, it, it hurts it by losing, but I still think that the kind of game that Idaho put on at Washington Grizz, I think, was was very important to put the the nation on alert about Idaho. Number one, um, defensively, they were impressive. Man, I thought that they had four dudes that would that would play anywhere in, in the league, at least. And I mean, they had two linebackers that I thought were some of the more impressive guys I've seen. Period. And then they had an edge guy that I thought was was next level. I mean, I get to stand next to these guys on the sideline a lot. I, I purposely walk a lot on the away sideline. I'm around the Grizz. I'm around the Cats a ton. I get to see it. I get to smell it. I get to, like, actually feel what it looks like. I do it on the away team, and I have not seen a, a couple guys like I saw Idaho. Every time I walk past, I'm like, this motherfucker, holy cow, look at this dude. Talking and getting coached up, listening to how their coaches were, were, were treating everything. That's a huge thing sometimes. You should hear the amount of dumb stuff I hear on the sideline. Stuff where you're like, oh, these, these guys are so screwed. Like That was some of the dumbest coaching I have heard in a while. And that's no knock to anyone. They're just trying to find anything. They're trying to find a sliver of momentum to convince their guys that they have a chance. In, in a blowout win in Bozeman, for instance. And you hear some pretty dumb stuff. This Idaho stuff was dialed across the board. Heard so much good stuff. But number two, Idaho being uh, on the national picture is a big deal. But number two, I think that now Montana has, has has looked vulnerable multiple times in a row, and that is the last thing you want for a team that rides the lightning the way that they do. They need so much momentum, as we talk about. Their weakness right now is that they don't have it. Right now, it's going to be hard. They're going to have to go seize that momentum because they don't get they just don't come into the game with it naturally. I mean, sometimes military analogies can get a little bit overblown. You know, this is not war, it's football, it's college kids playing football. But I do think that the way of operating that Bobby Houck's program uh, operates with over the course of a calendar year is very militaristic, just in terms of the the all-for-one, one-for-all, the the discipline, the routine, the, the repetition of the same stuff over and over again, the high expectation, all that stuff. But to use a military analogy, the Grizz, they want to have a melee. They want to just have a firestorm of a bombing. And they don't have any other weapons to turn to. I also, and so I, you, you wonder, how, how do you adjust from that? I think that that's when, when they don't have it in their grasp, it seems like it's so desperately being pulled away. That, that seems like an omnipresent factor over the last four or five years. The other thing, too, though, is in the art of war, you have to respect your opponent. That's one place where, you know, I mean, like we always say, it's one of the themes of this podcast. We could either call it throw it to the tight end or call it your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. But uh, Montana's Bobby Houck's greatest strength coaching the Grizzlies is his unwavering belief that anything less than going undefeated and winning a national championship is not good enough. I think that also, though, sometimes gets in the way because I think that sometimes they're just like, well, we're just the Grizz. We're just going to roll everybody. And I, you just wonder how much that affects it. I, I just think I could – you have to read between the lines a lot with Montana because they just – they don't say it like like a lot of other places and programs do. But I thought you could tell that, that Montana 
maybe underestimated Idaho last week. I think they certainly did. <clears throat> the freshman quarterback thing is the real deal. I mean, like I don't know if Giovanni McCoy, uh, moving forward, let's say that he stays at Idaho. Let's say he plays another three seasons, including this one, which would be another four, you know, three and a half seasons. I don't think Giovanni McCoy is going to catch anybody off guard anymore. I think that that is now over. I think that there's going to be a high level of respect for what he can do especially in the pocket, man. I mean, he pressed the pocket. He would press vertically, get horizontal, and keep the play alive. Like, I mean, I haven't seen anyone do it like that. Like, we, we've seen some really good dynamic guys, but when they press the pocket vertically, they, they are not patient enough to pull and get lateral. They just cannot. They can't do it. Especially when you have someone breathing down your neck. Like, he's, what Brooks is saying is he can slide the pocket and also step up into the pocket while Patrick O'Connell's coming at his blind side, and he can step up and take the time enough to then throw into the window. If that's what how you can operate, it doesn't matter if you have freaking Tremaine Johnson and Darius Slay playing corner. If the dude can throw it to a spot, he's going to throw the guy open because that's the weakness in a high-pressure defense like that. I was so impressed with that, too. Yeah, so I, I think that's a huge part of did the Grizz overestimate Idaho? I mean, I don't know defensively. They probably thought Idaho was a pretty good defensive team. Yeah. Probably decent up front. We're going to be able to handle this freshman quarterback guy. Yeah, we got 26,000. This is going to be an issue for them. Even if they hang in there, it's going to be an issue. Like, you know, Idaho's bleeding the clock. They're, like, literally saying to the whole world, like, we don't know if we can do this if we go blow for blow. So we're going to try to not go blow for blow and hold on to the rock and see what happens. They're they're saying that. I think the Grizz, from a coaching perspective, are probably like, look, they're scared to push the ball downfield. They're scared to snap the ball with 10 seconds left on the play clock. They're, they're, They're bleeding the clock is what... Uh, the term was used by Bobby Howe quite extensively. I don't think it was bleeding the clock. I think it was a complete strategic move that worked very well. So did the Grizz overlook Idaho? They overlooked parts of Idaho. I think that that's certainly uh, true. I mean, I don't, I don't see how you could, how you could uh, say it any different. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. College athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Big Sky Breakdown. Presented in part by Nick Daver, Westpac Wealth. Going to go hang out with Nick a little later on this week. Can't wait. We're going to get uh, some analysis from him and your financial tip of the week. So looking forward uh, to that. Uh, let Nick Daver and his team make your life more tax efficient at Westpac Wealth. Right, let's talk Bobcats for a minute. 
We're going to come back to some Grizz numbers and look at this upcoming weekend. The Cats, I said this on Nuana's Now, my daily radio show. Tommy Mallott is so fascinating to watch because sometimes, like when he's like overanalyzing it and just not settled in and he's, he's just tweaking and he, he just, he can't, he makes bad throws, real, like really bad. But then when he finds a rhythm, you're like, whoa. And so the flashes of good are why they, they do have to figure out a way to stick with him. But then they also maybe just took some momentum away from the other guy in Sean Chambers. But Tommy was 2 of 6 to start that game and finished 16 of 20. So that means he completed 13 out of his last 14 passes, threw for 217 yards and three touchdowns. One flaw, well, flaw is the wrong way of saying it. Foolishly, Northern Colorado stayed in man for the entire game and just let Willie Patterson do whatever he wanted. And Tommy Watt can make, he is limited in some of the throws he can make. The throws he can make are the over-the-shoulder you know, back shoulder fade type throws. And that's what he was doing to Willie Patterson all day long. And Willie P gets big Shay offensive player of the week, seven catches, 148 yards and all three of those scores. Uh, but all that said, this is just fascinating to watch because there is no like definitive answer. All of the potential answers here for what Montana state needs to do at quarterback are all on the table. I just am so interested to see what they do this upcoming week with Weber State, the best secondary in the country, because they're going to cross way more coverages. It's not just going to be straight, man. I'm going to settle in all of it. Uh, but your impressions of the Bobcats, because once Tommy Malak got rolling, I mean, they're down 14-3, to three, and he kept his head down. They stuck with him, and boom. Then all of a sudden, he looked like an all-big-sky type quarterback, and uh, those are the flashes that keep people coming back for more. They, they keep people like, well, maybe last year wasn't just a fluke. Maybe he can do this. Yeah, I mean, I, I – I hope it makes sense that that how I've analyzed and how I feel about Tommy Mallott, um, which are two different things, um, are are completely unchanged by this game. I, I feel the exact same as I felt about him before. Um, some of the deficiencies were there. Some of the amazing next level abilities were there. You know, a lot of yards after the catch, especially by Willie Patterson. He broke that big one where he kind of caught out on the left side, brought it through the middle. You know, beat a bunch of secondary guys all the way. You know, probably a forty-five yard touchdown. I, can't, I don't remember exactly how far it was. One hundred and fifty of the yards of two hundred and fifty of the two hundred seventeen yards were to Willie Patterson. And Willie, Willie Patterson did a lot of that work there. So if we end up saying that Tommy threw for seventy yards, I mean, against Northern Colorado, it seems exactly kind of how I analyze him. Is is that is kind of what he what he breaks down to be? Is that you hope you can get th- forty yards rushing from him? You know, thirty to fifty yards rushing would be good. Um, extend some plays, and you hope that he provides a little bit of leadership, makes good reads on you know some zone read actions, and you know throws for two hundred and fifty yards and, and a couple drops it in the bucket a couple times, scores a couple touchdowns. I think that's kind of the standard baseline what you hope for Tommy Malak game. Um, so one thing that I did kind of think about before we were recording, Colt, there is is their confidence in putting Tommy back in as the starter. I think it says a lot about what the offseason looks like. I, I says I think it says a lot about what. Uh, Sean Chambers in a good way and in in a leadership way is that they made it a competition and Tommy won it. So I, I don't think that Sean Chambers when we're all a guy like me is saying, Hey man, ride that hot hand like Sean Chambers has been dominant. I would probably let that that ride at least for a week or two. I think that internally there's been a lot of obvious uh defined competitive outcomes that say that Tommy lost the starting quarterback. And the rest of the team believes that. That that that's what's the clear part is that their team thinks that Tommy Mallott is the man. Like, all of the stuff that we can talk about, about how he's really good sometimes, he's really not sometimes. The one thing I'll always stand on is I think his potential is immense because I think he's such a smart kid, and I think he'll figure out a way to maximize his potential. But the other thing is you don't make a move like this if you think it's going to mess up your locker room. 
and and it clearly didn't because they they look just fine. I mean, there was no it, it, it was no stylistic difference whatsoever. I think they had a terrible start because they were playing in you know feedlot city <laughs> and there's four thousand people in the stands. Like I don't think it had anything to do with anything besides just just Greeley. Yeah, it's a it's a tough place to play just due to the atmosphere and, and the you know playing down a little bit. I mean, it, the, there's no doubt about it that. Uh, we have a lot of respect for people that play college football, especially at the Division One level. Northern Colorado is, uh, you know, they're at the bottom of the barrel as, as far as it goes, um, talent-wise and you know, even coaching-wise. It, it does not seem what they have it rolling there. What you mentioned, though, is that, you know, it, everyone in the locker room believes that. Every, you know, that's all good, tight, and dandy. What is what is your perspective on Sean Chambers' ability to run the football and then asking him to throw four passes a game? And it, like he's had four games now where he's thrown less than five balls, and I think he has three picks. What what what's what's that look like? Like when Sean Chambers is in, why would do you need to throw it? Yeah, it's a it's a great point because Chambers I think surprised a lot of people by proving he can throw it when he gets in a rhythm. Can he get in the rhythm when he's just your Wildcat quarterback? It's a great question. It's a really great question, actually. I uh, I think I think that's to be determined. Uh, the other, th- I, I don't know where, I don't know where the cats go from here. But I think that one of the biggest reasons you don't run a two quarterback system is because you screw up both guys and you screw up the dynamic of your team, and then all of a sudden you have team this guy, team this guy. But we saw it even when Dakota Prukop won the starting job there, and there was like team Bleskin because they're like, well, Prukop's sweet in the open field, whatever. But like there was guys on the team like, well, Jake Bleskin's way better, and we like Jake Bleskin as a leader way better. It seems like they have that all ironed out. So I'm just going to say whatever Vegan and, and Taylor Housewright want to do, I think that's the way that you go. The other thing I wanted to ask you about the Cats before we get to this upcoming weekend of matchups is <laughs> we, we just keep we keep giving the guy all the love in the world, but he just deserves it, man. I mean, Lane Sumner's just so good, man. When he starts, he's just, I mean, dude, he's averaging 135 yards a game. Like, the games that he's in, he's leading the league in rushing in yards per game. He's been hurt, so he's not leading in total yards, but, like, the dude's just a bucket. It's 100 yards right out the gates every time. He's such a great, and he's so good in this. Like, the fact that they've added an outside zone element to their deal and they can still run zone read, I think that's the other part about Tommy Malott. He might leave something to be desired, in the overall structure of being able to read defenses passing wise, his ball skills are exceptional when it comes to like the inside zone fakes and stuff like that. He gets a little ramped up and keeps it too often, but uh, uh, this game coming off of an injury, he wasn't that ramped up. He gave it a bunch Lane Sumner runs wild. I just think that that's the, I mean, I think that's one of the most underrated parts of why they keep going back to Lane to Tommy Mallott is that Lane Sumner and Tommy Mallott in the backfield is a dynamic combination. And Sean Chambers to counter what you said positively about Tommy is a guy that like just stylistically kind of has to just keep it like the whole point of Sean Chambers effectiveness is that now it's 11 on 11 it's an extra hat Tommy Mallott is a, is a is a half of a hat so when Sean Chambers is on there like his propensity to pull it is like, and keep it is is just so high that that's where it becomes a little bit challenging a little less uh, multiple on offense to belabor the point Lane Sumner is the dude. Like, Lane Sumner, for people who don't understand how fast he is, you can go look at his high school stuff. Like, his numbers are insane. Like, if you're breaking 11 flat in the 100, like, you're, you're the real deal burner. Especially when you're 5'7". You're a real deal burner. <laughs> you, are, you, you are so, so fast. But I think that everyone underestimates how powerful he is. Like, where his center of gravity is. There's really, I mean, the the, the Sac State kid, Coulter, can you say his name for everybody? Cameron Scadabo. So, Scadabo has similar... Uh, abilities where you're like hold on 
is this is this guy like a little fullback or what? You're like, no, hold on, he's super super fast, but he's tiny, but he's super powerful. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. It's it's a position, a, or at least a, a body type that gets overlooked in the FBS so much. It's not an FBS body type. Short, stocky, fast, powerful, uh, small, short arms, so the stiff arm isn't quite there. The ball looks big in your hands. It's kind of a funny combo, but I would say that Lane Sumner, as far as his ability to come in at, at, at any given moment, his ability to have spot minutes behind some of the best backs um, in the Big Sky Conference in the country at times throughout his career, and then his ability to, to, to seize the reins and be not only an effective starter, but an absolute elite every down back. I think he's one of the more well-rounded, all-round backs that we've covered in the last five years. And again, that's with some of the best guys in the country ahead of him at times. So his ability to stick with it, his ability to rise to the occasion, um, to be tough, to fight through injury, because you know he does get banged up. We mentioned he's not the biggest guy, and he, you know the target is 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 accessible. You know he's going to get hit, and he's going to get hit pretty hard. Um, I've been so impressed, man. He's he's one of my favorites, and you know I really I hope the world for him as far as I hope he stays healthy, and I hope they roll with him because I I, I think that, that there's only you know a brighter future, only more potential for Lane Sumner. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Town Pump, Town Pump Food Stores. Thanks to Town Pump for keeping us fueled up all season long. Town Pump also has an awesome beer and wine selection. Brooks is a in the in the industry of beer and wine distribution, and they do a lot of stuff with Town Pump. They got all sorts of great products for you, whether you need a snack, you need some uh, beverages for the afternoon party, or you need to get fueled up. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. We're going to get to the Bobcat defense in a minute, Brooks. I just want to talk... This upcoming weekend has primetime games with Montana playing at Sac State, Montana State hosting Weber State. Last point on the Grizz offense. This is actually from our good friend Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television. He went through the Grizz Big Sky Conference games so far this year. And you said this on the, the pod last week, and Andrew Houghton has been talking about this as well. The Grizz offense is almost completely devoid of gash plays, and that's almost exclusively what college football offenses have been about, is getting guys in space, making them miss, making big plays. So here's what the Grizz have done in Big Sky Conference play. They had uh, Xavier Harris's 64-yard rushing touchdown against Portland State. In that game, they also had two other 27-yard passes and a 35-yard pass. The 35-yard pass was that shot play to Mitch Roberts on the very first play of the game. In Idaho State game, they had a 48-yard rush, a 24-yard pass, and a 28-yard pass against Idaho. One 25-yard rush, which came on an end around by Malik Flowers. One 35-yard pass, which came on an inside uh, slant by Junior Bergen late when they were trying to cut it from a two-score lead to a one-score lead. So that means uh, in their last three, all three of their Big Sky Conference games, nine plays total of over 20 yards, 
only five quarterback throws, only five completions of more than 25 yards, along of 35 yards. Good, good research there by Rainey. But to put that in comparison, Montana State has twice that many plays uh, of, of over 20 yards in their three Big Sky games. That eight alone against UC Davis. Montana State has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays that would be Montana's longest passing play. And then they also have a whole bunch of long runs as well. That's the thing that's lacking. No matter what way you want to devise or scheme or analyze how to do it, that's the thing that's lacking for the Grizz offense is, is taking advantage of their offensive skill talent and gashing opponents. They, they You can't have a methodical offense if you can't run the ball at an incredibly high level. They can only run the ball at an okay level. So then, therefore, if you're not running the ball at an incredibly high level and then you're not also taking shots, I don't really know what you're doing on offense. That's going to be a huge key as they go to Sacramento State because make no mistake, make no, mistake no matter what you think of the Grizz defensively, uh, Sac State's going to move the ball up and down the field. That's what they do against literally everybody they've played. Troy Taylor's never played in a game in which he didn't move the ball up and down the field in the Big Sky Conference. And so uh, that's Sacramento State's head coach. So uh, Montana's going to have to figure out a way to move the ball themselves. Yeah, that's really, really good analysis. I mean, those are impressive stats. And, you know, stats are for losers is what, you know, we have all these head coaches tell us. But th- those stats are real. That that That's talking about not a number. That's talking about a trend. That's talking about, like, the actual ins and outs of what they're doing offensively which isn't much Colter and you said uh you know we said early in the season that they've been more diverse on offense and that was true you know they were dialing up some stuff but they were playing with house money you know you have a lead you've built on concepts it seems like they're not willing to jump down to that second and third section of the play card until they've established what they want to in the first section and it's like sometimes you gotta just take shots Sometimes you have to know some of your go-tos um do they have go-tos do they have go-tos that's my question like I, I, that's the hardest part is we've been watching the same offense for years and they do look good at times, but they, there's not like, Oh man, they should run that play here. Like they have, you know, they need it. It's a third and four. We should go to this. They don't, they don't have that. I, like I say, I, I think that they do. Um, at least I, you know, I pray to dear God in heaven himself that, <laughs> that they do have go-tos that they do have identity. What I'm saying, and I'll reiterate is that it's so much further down the card they're not. They they don't think that they can get to their seventeen yard comeback route until they've run the two run plays, the screen pass, the slant, the Mitch Roberts dig. Then we can run the comeback. It's like no, you can actually run the comeback whenever you want. You can actually get Malik Flowers on a vertical route and just chuck it whenever the hell you want. You don't need to build to it. Right. I think that somehow they have like this this thing where they're like, no, we haven't run our stuff yet. We're not through our first twenty five, and we haven't gotten to. It's second and six. We're going to run a second and six down play. It's like, no, you can actually run your favorite third down play on second and six anytime. There's no rules for this stuff. I think that's an, I think it's an important note that they're, they're they're thinking holistically that they're going to build these massive game plans and run through with them. And I don't think that they are finding enough pace or momentum to actually get anywhere on the play on the play sheet. The other thing that I think is interesting is that so I stare down the barrel. So when I'm I'm shooting a cannon 400 millimeter prime 28, and I'm looking, I can see a I can see 500 yards, but you know I can see. In my camera angle, 85 yards away. So I'm in the back of the end zone, and the Grizz are on the 30-yard line. So 10 yards of end zone. I'm a little ways back as well. Lucas Johnson takes up more than my whole frame. I can't get his whole body when I'm 85 yards away. I can't get his whole body to sit in the camera. That being said, I can see everyone's face, like, to the T. I can see it like it's literally as big as my entire body. I can see what he does. 
and I've never really covered a quarterback that is so hellbent on going through reads. He literally snaps the ball. His eyes go click, 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 click. Like they're just he's just searching for something. He's not doesn't feel it the same way. When he has it right away, it looks good. But I'll watch him feel the pressure from the backside, especially that right side seems to be given up a little bit more. And he'll click, click, click. His eyes veer to the right, and you see him start to evade. And he starts moving to the left, which is away from him. So now he's throwing cross body. He's not throwing with himself. When he rolls with himself, he can actually extend his legs, throw it fairly well downfield. But he likes to run to his left a lot, and then try to get his hips around. And it's just not that effective. And I've been really surprised by how much they're asking him to go through what I would call a, more of a pro style offense this is not hear me when i'm saying this this is not how you block up front this is not how you run zone read play action style of plays i'm talking about how you line up receivers how much are they lining up in trips with three receivers never if they're if they're in trips it's with a tight end as cole grossman as the trip so if you're running a lot of mitch roberts on the outside with maybe a, a twin receiver next to him and then a third receiver on the other side and malik flowers when you're talking about a slot and mitch roberts on the outside to the field to the wide side of the field that is pro level shit you're talking about an elite x receiver that's going to have to go get open get to the sticks fight for position, and you're going to get a, an 8 to 10-yard gain. That is NFL stuff. That is not what you do in college. In college, you line up a bunch of fast guys on one side, you go to a bunch of misdirection, you get a few flood concepts, you, you get people running at multiple levels where the quarterback can literally say, I have... I don't have to go sideline to sideline to find my read because all my reads are vertically in front of me. There's a guy at four yards, a guy at eight yards, and a guy at 12 yards. They're all kind of tiered to be within one read. The Grizz aren't doing that. I don't think that they're not going to be able to implement it either. That's something you do in fall camp. That's something you do uh, philosophically way before the season. I think that that is like they thought they have, and I think that they do have, a pretty high-level processor in Lucas Johnson, and they're asking him to process stuff that he doesn't need to. I mean, it seems like at the college level, you should just find the guys who are faster than the guys that are guarding them and just make those guys make the other guys make mistakes. It sounds so simple, but it really is all you should be doing. One of my favorite Twitter followers of all time, and a dude that played at Montana State named Demonte King, he was a defensive back, and he tweeted for four years before he was off Twitter, every NFL game, throw it at the linebacker, throw it at that linebacker, throw it at the linebacker. Throw it at Marcus Wellnell. Throw it at the safety. You don't throw it at the corners. That's not what you do. You don't do it at the guys who are professional defenders guarding the pass. You find a linebacker and you throw it to him. I mean, why Omaha, Omaha, Mike, number 52, 52. When they're doing the pre-snap stuff, and I'm not trying to say that anybody should be Peyton Manning and Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, but like all the pre-snap stuff that you see is the quarterback identifying who is what so that you can then audible into Attacking that mismatch. I bet that maybe that's too advanced. I just sometimes think that these teams get they get washed in their systems. We're, we're running out of time. We got to get back to our uh, our day jobs, as it were. But we got to talk briefly about uh, the cat defense leading into what's going to play out in Bozeman on Saturday, which is sure to be a slugfest. Two of the most physical teams in the Big Sky Conference. This was a thirteen to seven slobber knocker last year. Isaiah Fonse, I think he probably rushed for like fifty five yards, and I think he gained like fifty of those one hundred percent by himself, just like pushing the pile <laughs> head first into the this melee. Uh, it was a it was a wild game last year down in Ogden. Wild in the fact that it was just the, neither side wanted to give. Just inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, inside zone. We'll see if they engage like that again. Uh, I think the key factor is can Tommy Watt handle the uh, Weber State secondary. But also, Weber's taking a hell of a lot more shot plays down the field. Bronson Barron likes to 
throw it, chuck it deep to his receivers. Ty McPherson's having a hell of a senior year, and uh, it's an intriguing matchup. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the line on this thing because the Cats are the higher-ranked team, but I think Weaver State's body of work is way more impressive than Montana State's to this point. And uh, I don't know. I would say the Cats are a slight dog at home. I don't know what the betting line is going to say, but but this is a huge game for Montana State in the arc of their season. What do you think of this game? Also, uh, what do you think of the, the Bobcat defense and, and what they've been doing? Have they evolved much? Uh, it seems like the Achilles heel is a penchant for big plays. And uh, for the first time under Jay Hill, that's an issue when you're going against Weber State because Weber State likes to hit you with shot plays down the field. I think that's exactly it, Coulter. I think that the Bobcats right now are, are playing a little bit of bend-don't-break defense, but they're kind of breaking relatively often. I mean, they gave up 400 yards against Northern Colorado. We're damn near close. And I mean, that's not... Uh, you know, that's I'm not saying that that's the easiest thing to do, but that's not I mean, that's that's not something you want to put on paper all the time. Uh, you know, giving up 275 yards passing, giving up 125 yards rushing. I mean, that's those are those are real stats. Um, and Weber has has improved offensively, especially with the shot play. So I think that's a concern. I don't know what the betting line is either, Coulter. We should look it up. I think uh, I think the Cats will be a slight favorite at home. I think that the Cats will take care of business as far as well, I'm not making predictions. I'm not here doing scores. None of that. I just think that Montana State has a very unique ability to play so many players they still have that depth piece that they've had for now a couple years that's really made them nationally elite that i think that will probably be the momentum swing in this game but i i mean it could be a pick em for all i know i think weber state is very very challenging i think for montana state this is the game of the year i think if you take care of business here you ride a lot of momentum throughout the rest of the season and obviously montana going to sack and into weber you know the biggest stretch of their season as well it's make or break you know, Montana goes and loses to SAC, and then they go to lose Weber, which is in the cards. You know, I'm not saying that I would predict that by any means, but they're, they're at home in December, uh, you know. So I think that how Montana State plays Weber right now is a huge for next week for how the Grizz are going to end up playing Weber too. Montana State gets a win on, uh, at home against Weber. Weber's not going to be happy to go home and, and lose to the Grizz back-to-back. So I think it's a huge stretch for the Big Sky Conference. I think that this has as much impl- uh, playoff implications as any stretch in any league in the entire country. Must win for the Grizz in Sacramento? Yes, must win. I totally agree. I think that they they got to they got to get it done they have to elite sac state only quote unquote only won this game 28-21 last year in missoula but they took montana apart it is very similar to what idaho just did montana can't have that happen again they they need your greatest strengths your greatest weakness the sense of belief and the sense of being able to push people around montana has to reattain that it's a key to their season no doubt about it biggest weekend in the big sky conference coming down the pipe this has been the big sky breakdown uh, more with one of our head analysts ty gregorak coming up right after this big sky breakdown presented in part by opportunity bank opportunity bank your local bank your opportunity visit opportunitybank.com to find out more how they can help you ty gregorak big sky breakdown coming up right after this for unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Town Pump. Right down the road. Pump it up. 
Ty Gregorak joining us now here on the Big Sky Breakdown, lead analyst here at Skyline Sports, also the color commentator for the MTN TV broadcasts of all Bobcat uh, Big Sky Conference games. He was down in Greeley this last week, MSU, a 37-14 win uh, over Northern Colorado after being down 14-3. to We're going to get to the Grizz because I want Ty's perspective as somebody that coached in Missoula for more than a decade and a guy who coached for Bobby Houck for seven years. And it seems just like that the number one drama in the league right now is the Grizz. It has been the Grizz for several weeks in a row. And that's not a good thing if you're the Grizz. So where does Montana turn from here? I'm not saying their season is by any means torpedoed, but they have a pivotal moment fast approaching, I hear, with the trip to Sacramento State. But first, the Bobcats, the return of Tommy Mallott, explosion of Willie Patterson, who, by the way, now after his seven-catch, 148-yard performance that included three touchdowns, leads the Big Sky Conference with eight touchdown catches, and he is fast-tracking to a first-team All-League campaign as a senior. Pretty cool for him. Great job by Justin Udy, the wide receivers coach, and Taylor Housewright, the offensive coordinator, for their development of guys these last couple years. I mean, Lance McCutcheon breaking out last year, Willie Patterson breaking out this year. It's impressive. Tommy Mallott... I think it's so indicative of his personality. It takes him a little while to settle in. Once he gets everything analyzed, though, he does settle in. He's pretty surgical. He's pretty pretty fun to watch, pretty hard to stop. So, Ty, you were down there in Greeley. Uh, tough start for Montana State, but they found their footing. They got it rolling, and uh, they surged to yet another victory uh, with Willie P showing out and Tommy Malott's return. What did you think overall of the Bobcats down there at Nottingham Field? Well, yeah, it was a, uh, y- you know, you haven't been there in a while, but going to Greeley's, the venue is, it's BYOE, man, or bring your own energy. Um, I thought they started slow. They started sluggish. It was, you know, offense and defensively. It just was, you know, they, they, they gave uh, they gave Northern Colorado a little life and a little, uh, you know, hey, we can hang with these guys in that first quarter. After the first quarter, it was business as usual the last, you know, the last few weeks for, for Montana State. Uh, bringing bringing Tommy back, uh, you know, Tommy was solid. You know, it's it's just interesting. It's going to be so interesting going forward because the job that Sean Chambers and Elijah Elliott did for you know two and a half three weeks was incredible. And then you get a, you get Lane Sumner back, who had a very solid day, uh, and you get Tommy Malott back, who was solid. Um, and, and you just didn't see a ton of those guys. I mean, they brought Sean in and spurt. I mean, Sean, Sean did a lot of good things. You know, he, he, he didn't throw a, a great fade. And it was more of a fade than a back shoulder, which is one of, you know, really, it's really Tommy and Sean's best throw, either RPO slant stuff or, or, or you know, that, that back shoulder fade, back shoulder stick. But the defense was really good on third down. Another game in which, you know, they almost went an entire game, which would have been three straight games without a, a takeaway, you know, but the shots through the interception. But they've just been clean with the ball uh, defensively, not as not as opportunistic as they were a week ago, getting six takeaways. They only had the one with the Okada interception. But, again, great on third down and, you know, minus a couple explosive plays, very solid day by the defense as well. So, you know, uh, UNC's reeling. I mean, I, I just don't think they're very good. I think they've got, I think I said it on air, I think their first 22, they've got some talent, you know. They've got they've got two quarterbacks that have like 14 stars between them, and I don't think either one of them can, you know, really play play in this league, not 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 at a high level anyway. But, I don't know, MSU's defensive front did a great job getting pressure on McCaffrey. McCaffrey made some nice throws. I mean, he, he had a couple of receivers have big days. Elijah Dotson is, is a talented kid that they use in both, the, the running game and in the throwing game a lot, but I just don't think they're very good, you know. So now, now 
now is the test. You know, uh, FCS wise, they, they they don't they haven't Montana State hasn't played a ton of really good FCS programs. They took their licking against Oregon State. You know, now it's like now now is the true test as to what MSU can do uh, against a very very good top five opponent. But more importantly, what can they do with a couple more dudes down? Uh, you know, the Marcus Weir and Cole Sane injuries up front are worrisome, especially when you're going to go against probably the best defense they'll play all year. Uh, and, and, and you know Weber State prides themselves on, on that physical nature of defense. So it'll be very intriguing to see how those backups come in on the offensive line for, for Coach Army's front, you know. Certainly will, and uh, the game against Weber is going to be uh, a knockdown dragout for sure. Like it seems to always be, uh, especially these in recent years. You know, since Jeff Cho came back and now Brent Vegan last year. I mean, it was a slobber knocker down there uh, in Ogden. What do you think? That, I think so much of the Cats' ability to overcome all their adversity when it comes to all the injuries is just the fact that they are just sort of steady in their leadership. How much do you think that plays into it? Because a lot of coaches, a lot of teams, a lot of programs, you got a bunch of guys get season-ending injuries. And you make sure to talk about it to make it into an excuse. Vegan acknowledges it, but he doesn't seem to ever lean on it. Do you think that their ability to overcome it has to do with his attitude about it? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. And I, I think, like, like, like whether it's college football or pro football, it's next man up mentality always. Um, but they've done a really good job. I mean, you lose, you lose, in my mind, probably one of the best, if not the best, tailbacks in the history of the program. And they, they're still, they're still averaging. 200. I mean, it was 296 two weeks ago, and I think it dropped a scooch. But they're still. I mean, Idaho State. They they ran for 255 yards, and this last week they ran for 230. Like uh, honestly, if you if you look at their offense, they're really pretty balanced. I mean, for for such a great rushing attack, the last couple of weeks they've been really pretty balanced in their offensive attack. You know, so uh, yeah. I and, and honestly, it's been kind of fun. You know, Vegan's such a coach. Vegan is such a steady Eddie guy. You know, you went from you know you went from Jeff Choate to a guy that. Is, is like almost polar opposite. It's been kind of fun seeing him get fired up the last couple of weeks on the sideline and get, getting after the referees over some I – mean, the refereeing is, is special, to say the least, uh, as always. But I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I think you know, that, that you've got guys like Brian Armstrong and, and Bobby Daly and some of these guys that have been in the program now and um, you know, those steady voices. And, and uh, yeah, it's it, next man up, man. So it's, it's just too bad that it's got to be, you know, in theory, one of the biggest – so far, in my mind, the biggest game of the season um, against a very physical outfit. That, that's all that concerns me. Tiger Greg here on the Big Sky Breakdown. We could do an entire podcast about the refing. I mean, there was two times they called it a complete pass when the ball's bouncing <laughs> on the ground, and I just I can't even get into it. I don't even know what the point of having replay is all the time if you're just going to completely mess it up every time. We can't go down the rabbit hole. Ty's got to go. We got to get him into the surgery room. So we got to talk about the Grizz real quick before he gets you out of here, Ty. Um, This is a question I have for you because you've been around college football for a hell of a lot longer than I have, and you've been in meeting rooms and coach teams for 15-plus years. It seems to me when I watch the Grizz, they do everything that they do is so high intensity and so high passion, and it seems as if if those factors don't work, they don't seem to be able to hearken back to or, or lean upon the adjustments that seem to be so commonplace in all of football, whether it's pro, college, high school. They're not playing chess. They're playing punch you in the face, beat you into the corner, pin you in the corner, and whoop you. And uh, when it doesn't work, they don't really seem to have any answers. Why? Yeah, I well... I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've known Coach Houck a long time, and, and it's just interesting. I'm, I, I said on air 
you know, I'd be really curious to see his record after a bye just because I was more surprised than anything. But, but then, you know, I saw somewhere that was kind of showing his record lately after buys and it hasn't been very good. And I bought coach out as like, he's somewhat, or at least he was really set in his ways. I don't know. I don't know how much he's evolved or not in terms of his weekly schedule, monthly schedule, yearly schedule. I don't know. I haven't worked with Bobby in 12 years. But, you know, you sit there and you go, gosh, we might need to reevaluate what we're doing in the bye week if we're talking five out of six losses, you know. And it's that, from what, I, again, I was down in Greeley. I didn't get to watch a second of the ball game. Of course, I read about it and, you know, listened to different things about it. And it sounds like kind of Bobby got out bobbied, you know. I mean, possession time, ball control, not letting the offense have it. I, I, I was shocked to see the rush yards, you know, what they're running for. Um, you know, but then you go, well, you know, Idaho didn't really have a great day rushing either, but just the, the identity of Coach how coached programs, it was just kind of crazy to see another game in which they lost the turnover battle, you know, and they did that, they did that getting out of, out of, uh, before the bye, um, and, and turning the rock over more times and getting it back. So I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting because, you know, the schedule is not getting any easier for them in the next week or two, you know? So it's, it's just crazy how, you know, how you're, how you feel about a team up to a few weeks ago. And then, you, then you see them kind of play poorly on the road Then they have a buy. And then you see what happened at home. You're going, God, who, who are they? You know, I, I thought they were maybe poised to make a national championship run. Now you're sitting there going, God, after a week or two, they might, you know, not be out of it, but it's just a whole different, a whole different conversation about the Montana Grizzlies now. So, I mean, I know Coach Houck isn't happy about the way they coached or, or played, but man, I, I, it's not getting any easier this week for sure. Like a lot harder. So, fa- really excited to see this week, this week's action for you know a, a lot of different programs in this league, but definitely the two ones in our home state for sure. That's a fascinating scenario for the Grizzlies because I heard from so many people around town, around the fan base, around the program saying, you know, Montana, first six games, going to roll, going to go into Sacramento State with an undefeated record. I was even sort of on that train. I think there was a misunderestimation of uh, University of Idaho and uh, heard, you know, we're going to be double-digit favorites in all the regular season games we play this year, except for maybe in Bozeman at the end of the year. And uh, now that whole thing's altered and the Grizz are still a top 10 team, but they are now the fourth team in the Big Sky Conference in the national rankings, and they're going to the second-ranked team in the national rankings, and a team that's undefeated for the first time since 1992 in Sacramento State. And oh, by the way, a team that's 18-1 and under Troy Taylor in Big Sky Conference play, and are undefeated this year in Big Sky Conference play, and are 2-0 and against Montana since Troy Taylor took over at the Helmet Sac State. So now the Grizz have to shift their mentality, in my estimation. They're going to have to go from, you know, carrying the day and thinking that they're the favorites in every game and, and proving it, to maybe having an underdog mentality. Does this help or hurt the Montana Grizzlies tie? I know I know Coach Houck will, will, will make them believe they need to have a chip on their shoulder. I really do because, you know, I, Bobby's old school. Like, we, we never used to lose to Sacramento State ever, you know. Uh, and I know in his mind he's still thinking, well, we're Montana, they're not. But – Man, Sac, Sac State's kind of had their number a little bit, and have, well, had a lot of people number in this league. These guys done a great job. They're they're a good football team, you know. And so I, I know that Coach Houck will may, maybe chip on the shoulders, not the right word, but I know he'll have them prepared to go to go play a very good football team. And 
yeah, I mean, they, they, they need to – it's on the road, right, Coulter? I'm sorry, I'm sorry I'm in my car. Oh, yeah, it's on the road in Sacramento for, uh, on Saturday night, 9 p.m. Montana time kick. Oh, man. Yeah, so so that's a late one, no doubt. Um a lot of lot of lot of lot of uh, adversity to overcome right there. I mean, just going on the road, Sac- Sacramento State's venues. Interesting, uh, a late game like that. I mean, you got to get your mind right and you know relax and enjoy some college football and probably have some walkthroughs and meetings and stuff throughout the day. But yeah, it's uh, that two 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 huge games. I mean, just two massive conference changing games this weekend in 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 bozeman and and sacramento so really really excited to you know obviously start with the bobcats on uh saturday at one o'clock against a very good weaver state team and then i'll be in position to to watch the grizz later that evening so it should be a heck of a heck of a weekend man this is how crazy the scheduling is we're gonna drive over to bozeman on saturday cover the game, drive home, and then watch the Grizz game from our house because that's how long of a college football Saturday it's going to be. It's going to be a fun day. We've had this date circle on our calendar for a really long time. He's Tad Gregorak. He joins us each week here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Go get that surgery done, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Coulter. Have a great week, man. Whether you're in the restaurant business or you just want to host any big event, JMV Restaurant Supply can make sure you have everything you need. JMV Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. Whether you're a bear or a bobcat, an eagle or a Scotty, JMV Restaurant has everything you might need. They have locations in Bozeman, Billings, and Great Falls. If you can't make it in, JMV also has a great website, jvrestaurant.com. Get everything you need for your next event at JMV, your restaurant specialist. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Skyline Sports A Squad back in its original batting order. Thanks to Brooks Nuanas, Ty Gregorak for joining us. Now we're joined by Andrew Houghton. Uh, for those of you following along, uh, Andrew and I, Coulter Nuanas, we live together together here in uh, Missoula. And we're watching the baseball playoffs here on Tuesday night. Uh, Andrew took a week hiatus from the Big Sky Breakdown because uh, he was hunting some antelope. So we got the D.C. boy out on the hunting trail. Love it. Love the acclimation to Montana. It's always it's hard to fit the hunting in during the football season, too. You got to take it where you can get it, right? So when the girls have a bye, you got to go. Had to do it, and so I didn't end up catching any Big Sky football last weekend, which makes it tough to appear on the Big Sky breakdown, but I had a great time. I saw a bunch of antelope. I covered a bunch of ground, walked around and looked at the sky for a long time, and that kind of just gets your head right, and we're right back in it. So... Uh, that was good. So funny because uh, my girlfriend, one of her best friends, one of our good friends, uh, he quote unquote goes hunting all the time. He's always telling all of us, he's, I'm going hunting. He never gets anything. <laughs> so one of our other buddies makes fun of him says, you're just taking your gun out for a walk, man. You're not actually hunting <laughs> anything, but that's what it's all about is being outside and enjoy it. I know a great many of you out there listening to this podcast or uh hunters and also probably watching baseball so you know it's the little things that bring us together uh before we get into some uh analysis about what we saw in missoula last weekend a couple a couple uh random 
and rapid fire Big Sky Conference questions for you. Who or what, uh, I guess, a dynamic uh, team or a player, who or what is the biggest surprise to you in the Big Sky Conference so far this year? Well, I guess the low-hanging fruit would be Idaho, sure. who, which was a team that we thought would be in the middle of the conference and maybe had some potential and is now solidly in the top 25 uh, and looking like a team with a lot of potential after they beat Montana last week. That just seems so easy to say, though. Uh, I'm surprised by how Montana State has been able to keep things on an even keel with everything that they've done this season. And we've talked a lot about the narratives coming into this season. I mean, sometimes you just hit it and you're running off the momentum in your first year as head coach with a team and a roster that good. Uh, And we were wondering what it was going to look like in Brent Vegan's second year. And then, of course, you have Tommy Mallott going down, and it's still just been smooth sailing for the Bobcats. And they're going, man, maybe even under the radar a little bit because Montana's the the number one drama team in the conference. And then you've got Weber State's defense, Sacramento State's offense that you can always talk about, but the Cats are still just right there. And it's actually funny, you said this on our first Big Sky breakdown of the year uh, when we were coming back from the Big Sky kickoff, saying that you thought it was ironically funny how underrated Montana State was even though they're not underrated and that's what's so interesting is like they're the number three team in the country I think the farther away you get from Montana the less it seems like they're kind of underrated but I I actually also think though even keel is a perfect way of saying it you have all of the stories coming out of last season which made them I thought the the most interesting team in the conference coming into this season other than probably Sac State, because just you know, can you keep it going at Sac State? That omnipresent question is always going to be interesting. You know, could Weber State bounce back to playoff form? You know, Montana are they really back to being you know the top team in the conference? Those are all interesting. But how do you replace Troy Anderson? It's <laughs> pretty interesting. But then you have all this other stuff too. Did Tommy Malott catch lightning in a bottle? What are you going to do with the defense that lost multiple NFL guys, not just Troy Anderson? An offensive front that's had. All of its starters leave over the last year and a half or so, whether it was guys going uh, to the NFL like Lewis Kidd, guys graduating, guys forgoing their last year of eligibility like Zach Red, Connor Wood transferring to Missouri, TJ Session transferring to Cal. It's just been so much drama, and there's no drama in their program. That's what's so impressive. And you have to give so much credit to the head coach, man. Like He's, he's always open, honest, candid. Brent Vegan is always straightforward to the point. Also, though, whenever there's something that is a speed bump, they acknowledge it and then just move on from it and just figure it out. And, I mean, any other team that lost the best running back in the conference before the year even started, Isaiah Fonse, then lost his grad transfer replacement in Kagan Williams, and then lost the third-string guy in Lane Sumner, and then you lose your stud freshman in Jared White, and now you're just rolling with one guy. Even just that would derail a team. How much can they endure, though? That's the next question, right? How much can they endure – a dual quarterback system, how much can they endure these recent injuries on the offensive line like Marcus Ware, Titan Fleischman going down? They're going to have to stay even-keeled and not let all of the tumult creep in because it keeps on coming, but they have a, a huge opportunity to continue to prove it on Saturday as well. I, I think that's a good one. I think that Montana State is uh, has been pleasantly surprising. A player that jumps to your mind, maybe? I, I know my answer. It was Lucas Johnson for a long time, a guy who was so impressive in sort of that first five-game stretch of Montana's season, not because you it's probably wrong for me to have been so surprised by his poise and his calmness and his leadership because he's a guy who's been in college for, what, seven years? 
So that was always expected to be there, but I just thought he was better at everything than I expected him to be. He was a little bit faster than I expected him to be. He was a little bit more accurate than I expected him to be. He was a little bit of a better leader than I expected to be, and that all added up to somebody who I, you know, until this last game against Idaho, I thought I think I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Although he did have that blip against Idaho. Uh, the other ones for me around the conference, man, what about Cameron Scatterboo, obviously, at Sacramento State, although he was doing this last year. I mean, his yards per carry last year as a freshman were just off the charts, but it's surprising that he's kept that up as now Sacramento State's number one back. Um, other than that, yeah, I don't know. Who, who do you got? Javonte McCoy, man. I thought Javon McCoy, it wasn't just schemed up good for Idaho's quarterback last week. Idaho's quarterback made straight plays. If you've been listening to this episode since the beginning, I thought Brooks uh, Nuan has put it in perfect perspective. I mean, his his in-pocket awareness and his ability to be able to slide away from the pressure and then make throws while getting hit, I mean, that's top-level senior stuff. Like, that's very few guys at this level ever get to that point. And it was impressive. I mean, we're going to get into the Grizz game in a minute, but... That's one of the most undertold parts of this Grizz game is that Idaho's really good. They have a bunch of players that are good. Like, I thought that they're – I mean, Montana's linebackers are really good, and Idaho still had two dudes that would play, if not start, at Montana. Like, we were hyping up the Grizz linebackers big time, talking about, well, you know, would all these guys start at every school in the conference? Well, the answer is no. <laughs> F squared, you know, I can't even – how do you say his name? Favai, Favai. Favai, Favai. I mean, dude, he's he's the only, the only linebacker on the field on Saturday that was better than him is Patrick O'Connell. And it's not that cr- big of a gap. I mean, Favai, Favai is, is good. So what I'm saying is Idaho has talent. Try to think of other surprises uh, just off the top of my head. I mean, Sean Chambers, man. I, I, I Sean Chambers was a good player. I, I watched him at Wyoming. You know, there is always a lot of Mountain West crossover just in our world, you know, Big Sky team usually always plays Wyoming. So he knew a little bit about Sean Chambers. The fit with Brent Vegan, I think, helps, you know, having known the coach from the past. Uh, and I think that people thought Chambers was going to have a role. But, I mean, the fact is that he's leading the conference in rushing and he's leading the country in touchdowns. So, <laughs> you know, no matter what you expected out of him, that's a, that's a surprising surge. You got anybody else you're thinking of? Well, you're mentioning the Cats, I would say, and maybe not for somebody like you who's been around the program, but Sebastian Valdez being, sure. you know, one of the best three defensive linemen in the conference just in terms of a, a disruptor from that interior defensive tackle spot. I didn't see that coming. Is there anybody else from the Grizz? I think that's an intriguing factor about the Grizz. I think it's a testament to the hierarchy that Bobby Houck has established is that very few of the guys that are playing – are surprised you're not surprised they're playing because they they had such a defined pecking order coming out of I guess defensively they just play so many guys so you knew like the group of guys that are going to play I think Tyler Flink how well he's played has been one for the Grizz but you, you expect him to get some opportunity and that's the brilliance of the Hauk system is that it, it is going to give guys the opportunity and then if you get your chance and you ball you're going to get more chances and I think that's what makes it that's what works about this sort of a system Anybody else off the top of your head you could think of? I mean, Junior Bergen's taken a step up for the Grizz, and I know he was really good last year, and they pushed him into a bunch of responsibility last year with uh, the running back situation there, and they had to move him into the backfield. Uh, He's better than he was last year. I mean, he's bigger, he's faster, um, he's making more plays. Uh, He's becoming really quickly 
a really complete receiver and a guy who, well, we talk about it all the time, you would just love to see them utilize him more and in more diverse ways. But in terms of just being a slot receiver, he's right up there with anybody in the country, I think. I know. If only they could get him the ball. We're going to get to that in just a little while. From a team perspective, biggest disappointment in the conference? I think that's a very interesting question because – Almost the whole conference has been exactly what we've expected, and the, the probably the two teams you'd point to that have less wins than you'd think of a team that you expected to be in the middle of the league are NAU and UC Davis, but they both played incredibly tough schedules. So they still might get to like this the six to seven win spot that you probably thought they would be at. So I don't know. The hierarchy of the big sky is so defined. I, besides Idaho, I don't really know if there is anybody that's a disappointment or a surprise. We'll just have to kind of wait till it all plays out. Yeah, the one for me would, out of those two teams that you mentioned, would really be Northern Arizona just because I think we had such high hopes for the R.J. Martinez-Kevin Daniels duo at quarterback and running back. I think it's very clear who should have been the freshman of the year last year. Those two were the top candidates, and they lost Daniels, and they have been not nearly as good on offense. You can't really speculate what would it be if they lost Martinez. I don't know what his backup is like, but it's it's very clear that Kevin Daniels was an enormous part of the offense. I mean, the, from the coaches I've talked to that have played NAU, that's the first thing they bring up is, well, they didn't have their stud running back, and then when they evaluate him. so Yeah, and the bad thing there is I'm worried kind of that he'll never be back to what he was because he played a little bit early in the season, and I don't know the particulars of his injury situation, but he got some carries early in the season, and he was just so ineffective and you could see it on tape too but in the stats I mean last year he was a six yards a carry guy first three games this year he was a three yards a carry guy so I don't know what's going on there it's just sort of a depressing situation because those are two guys who you thought could be faces of the conference for several more years and not only that the way they looked last year and the potential that they showed last year I mean they looked like they had the capability of bringing northern Arizona up into Maybe not the top tier of contenders, but they look like they could turn Northern Arizona into a playoff team, certainly. This conference has such good coaching, too. And I think that's what's really interesting when you have quarterbacks. This this conference has been known as a quarterback conference for so long. And for so long, a lot of the guys that were the best were guys that were developed. That's because Eastern Washington was so good at developing quarterbacks. We also had a string of great quarterbacks at Idaho. Uh, Montana State's had a handful of guys that have been great, a handful of guys that have been one-dimensional, and I don't mean throwing it. So it's it's just interesting to see because now with the coaches in the league and now everybody's kind of figured out a better quarterback strategy. How do you, wh- What are you going to go get? What kind of guy can you get? Are you going to use get a transfer like Montana did? What I'm getting at, though, is R.J. Martinez, you play last year, you start nine games. This year now, though, teams have a plan for you. You're on the scouting report. You're not just the upstart freshman who you're just going to fluster. Javon McCoy is about to go through this. Lucas Johnson is going through this. I think Lucas Johnson, uh, the first couple teams, basically said, okay, we're going to dare Lucas Johnson to beat us. Then uh, Idaho State was basically like, oh, you're not going to beat us on the perimeter. You have to run it. And they did run it, but they did it against Idaho State. And then this last game, Idaho stopped the run to the tune of one yard per carry and then still tried to make Lucas Johnson beat him. So what I'm saying, though, it's going to be a transition as these guys continue to develop. And that, that's why I think Sac State is so uh, fascinating because since they play the two quarterbacks, th- those guys don't have to experience nearly as much of like, oh, now I'm going to have to go against this game plan that was made to slow me down. Because you have to do a little bit of both when, when you're preparing for Sac. So, I mean, it's happening. It's, it's already happened at, at NAU and – 
Montana State with Tommy Mallott. It's going to happen to Javonnie McCoy soon. Lucas Johnson's going through it right now. Sack might be the one that's impervious to it. So it is fun to, to watch the quarterback evolution in this league. Yeah, but with the young quarterbacks, you're hoping that the pace of their development exceeds the adjustments that other teams are going to be able to make for them, which is why it's so disappointing to see R.J. Martinez struggle so much this year. Yeah, the thing with Sac State's offense is they're just always trying to stay ahead of you. They're trying to get their person. They know what personnel they want to have out on the field. They know what they want to do, and they're trying to get you stuck in bad personnel groups, depending on which quarterback is on the field, and then exploit that. And it's, you know, we wrote about it last year at Skyline Sports. The reason coaches are so scared of doing something like that is because of the off-the-field stuff, the interpersonal stuff of having those two guys be in the same room every day for months and months and months on end. And that's what's been so impressive to me about the fact that Sac State has been able to keep it up for so long. It is so impressive. I think the fact that Jake Dunaway and Asher O'Hara has two uh, distinctly different skill sets, I do think that helps with some of the -the off-the-field management stuff. Like, you can't help but think, like Taylor Housewright and I talked last week, he's the second-year offensive coordinator at Montana State. And as he was saying, he's like, Tommy and Sean are both great dudes. They're good friends. They get along. They understand all the stuff. So all the stuff you'd expect a coach to say. But I do think Montana State's being authentic when they're talking about that kind of stuff. The, the thing is, though, it, it doesn't matter how much of a best friend you are. At some point, your competitive nature, there's a little bit of lingering resentment. It has to come in. Like, if Tommy lost the preseason All-Big Sky quarterback, and then Sean Chambers just goes and rushes for 25 touchdowns and, you know, is an All-American as an all-purpose player. Like, you're stealing stats from the other guy. Competitors want to be the best, right? No, that's right. Your ego is obviously always going to get in the way. It has to at some point for both guys. And the thing to do with it is not to be like, we're, we're best friends, everything is perfect. It's to say, I do resent that a little bit. This guy taking my stats, this guy forcing me to... to turn off my competitiveness a little bit but also we are still friends and we're going to do what's best for the team right it's so true and that's why then when you have one guy and it's absolutely solely no question never going to get pulled unless you fumble on the two yard line one guy like lucas johnson then though it's like when you do fumble on the goal line and then you get pulled that then that screws with your head as well i think that's one of the the issues i mean I don't know. I'm not saying it's exclusively the reason why, and it might just be a coincidence. I'm not sure. But you have to think that, like, Lucas Johnson not playing well in the second half against Idaho State, but then also getting benched in favor of Chris Brown because he fumbled in the red zone. Regardless of that's just like – I mean, that Bobby Howe could tell you that's how we run our team. If you fumble in the red zone, you're getting benched for the next series. Point blank, period. Okay, but I do think you have to inject some confidence into the guy. I don't know. You just have to wonder if there's any carryover of that in the Idaho game or if it's just copycat defensive schemes. I'm not sure. Big Sky Breakdown, uh, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented by J&V Restaurant Supply. J&V Restaurant Supply is your home for everything kitchen. It's tailgate season. They have all sorts of cool tailgating stuff for you. also have a whole bunch of stuff for your next uh, family get-together, holiday party, holidays coming up. So check out jvrestaurant.com or check out one of their three great locations in Bozeman, Billings, or Great Falls. JNV Restaurant Supply, your home for everything kitchen. Uh, anything else to add to this conversation? I, I, before I ask you about the Grizz, I have already, if people have been listening to this whole thing, I've already been bloviating about the Grizzlies for more than an hour. So I'll just leave it. For, I'll leave your take. What, what did you think of Saturday's game? What were the, the biggest impressions you had? Idaho coming to Missoula, 30-23 victory. Well, I don't know if this is comforting or 
terrifying, but I just thought it was so obvious that the Grizz just got beat by a better team, or at least a better team on that day, right? And there are not a lot of teams, and we saw this through the first five games of the season, there are still not a lot of teams who can be better than the Grizz, even if they play their best game. There are not a lot of teams who can have a day better than Montana's days, you know? Idaho clearly can, and and you've pointed out all the talent that they've got. I mean, I think their offensive line's got some guys on it. They definitely came in with the right game plan there, and Idaho's the first team we've seen really attack the middle of the field with a big wide receiver or a tight end type. I mean, Hayden Hatton's listed as a wide receiver, but he's tight end big, you know, and he was able to out-physical the Grizzly defensive backs and also get into those spaces behind the linebackers when they pass rush, and that's something that we talk about the Grizz are vulnerable to all day. Obviously, Idaho saw that. I thought Idaho had a really good grasp of their game plan. Um... Yeah, I just don't know how much you take forward away from that other than just Idaho is clearly a lot better than people thought they were at the beginning of the season. I mean, I think Idaho has made it a group of five contenders at the top of the Big Sky Conference, and that was my biggest takeaway from Saturday as opposed to any sort of failings for the Grizz. I mean, they made so many mistakes in that game. Lucas Johnson threw two really bad picks down the stretch of that game. I mean, just not... not Plays where the defense makes a play. I mean, plays where he was staring down his receiver um, and forcing it to one guy. They didn't look good. But Idaho's the team that's forcing you into those mistakes because they're matching your intensity and they're matching your talent. And and that's all I took away from it. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with uh, your assessment. I think that on Montana's best day, I still think they beat Idaho, even if Idaho has their best day. But this is the... This is the flaw in the Grizz system is that when a team has it schemed up to attack the systematic weakness of your defense, and your response is to just go harder, do what we do but better, execute better, but you don't have an adjustment to make, like personnel-wise, I don't really know where you go from there. Like when, when they're lining Jermaine Jackson up in the slot or Hayden Hatton up in the slot and just running him to the middle of the field, and, and there's no adjustment because you, you're just, I mean, you're running man on the outside, your safeties are roaming in the middle of the field, your linebacker's already gone, they've blitzed. If you can't, like, they don't have another personnel package. Like, they rotate guys at their spots, but they don't have, like, a dime or a nickel where they can put a different personnel package on the field. So, I don't know what Montana does to adjust. I have another point about Idaho, but I'll let you fill in here. Well, yeah, or even just, and I know we went through this with the Idaho State game last week when Xavier Guillory started going off on Montana, but why is Hayden Hatton mossing Corbin Walker for that touchdown? Why is not Justin Fields or Justin Ford? (laughs) <laughs> who's got an NFL caliber, he's he's an NFL frame, yeah. why is he not following around the 6'3 guy who's mossing all the rest of your corners? And they did switch forward on to Guillory late in that Idaho State game, right? Yeah, that was a big narrative coming out of that Idaho State game. Actually, they didn't, they didn't even wait until late. I mean, they did it, I think, midway through the second quarter. Yeah, okay. So they can do it. I just, I don't know, I just think in... in you're, you're, the Grizz defense is great, and like the way they play is is phenomenally fun to watch. But there's just opportunities where you can just get out schemed, and if you can't adjust, I don't know what you do. Uh, on the point of Idaho being a contender, too, they host Portland State this weekend. Then they're at Sac State, which could be an absolutely enormous game. That could be the second biggest game in the league besides Montana at Weber State. And and honestly. If Idaho beats Portland State and Sac State stays undefeated, Idaho at Sac State's the biggest game of the week in the Big Sky Conference. 
Then, though, Idaho plays Eastern Washington uh, at, in the Kibbe Dome. They got UC Davis coming to town, and they're at Idaho State. So, I mean, that's a pretty tough schedule down the stretch. But knowing what we know about them now, like if you're just chalking this up, you know, that's a that's a 4-1 and one finish for Idaho. And, and they're sitting there at, at what? They went – one and two in the non-conference, so they would be they'd be seven and one overall. So they'd be nine and two, nine and three, eight and three. They'd be eight and three. That's pretty good. I mean, if they were to somehow figure out a way to run the table, well, I mean, if you run the table and go eight and zero in this conference, even if you missed the Cats and and Montana and uh, Weaver State, interesting. I, I hadn't looked at that with the perspective of them already having the Montana win under their belts and already being three and zero in league. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, they're going to be. I think. You know, the polls are always a week slow in catching up to the trends, right? Because everybody wants to see if it's real and nobody... There are some people like our friend Sam Herter who redo their ballot every week and they'll say, well, this team's got a top 10 resume in the country now. I'm going to put them in my top 10. There are a bunch of other people who are going to say, well, I didn't have Idaho ranked last week, so they're going to be 20th for me this week. We can't move them up too much too fast. If they beat Portland State, though, I think the momentum is going to catch up with them, right? And And that's a top 10 resume because... I mean, even their FBS losses were, were close games and games where they, uh, you know, were putting the wood to some Power 5 teams for a little bit. I think that's going to be a team that could be, you know, a top 10 team or right outside it heading into that Sac State game. Of course, the challenge for them down the stretch in that schedule is not dropping one of the wins that they shouldn't if they actually are a top 5 contender in the Big Sky. Well, that's the that's the main point that I think that we're dancing around that is we're actually making is that I actually don't think Idaho is any better than the fifth best team in the Big Sky Conference, but they've taken care of business on their schedule to this point to then set up this deal. Now, you know, games aren't won on paper. UC Davis is a lot better than their record, so that, you know that's a game they're going to have to bring your A game for. I mean, Portland State's competitive. You know, I mean, e- Eastern could freak out and and score a bunch of points. So, you know, I'm not just anointing Idaho, you know, a seven and one big sky conference record. The point I think we're dancing around though, is that if you're the fifth best team in the big sky conference, you're a top 10 or 12 team in the country though, this year, because we're where everybody's at, even despite Montana's six uh, quarter quarters of bad football, they're still a top five team in the country. In my opinion, top six team, in my opinion, I mean, seven is where they're at, whatever. I, I still, I guess what I'm saying is even if Idaho isn't one of didn't even they're still outside of that core four at the top. It still makes them one of the 10 or 12 best teams in the country this year, given the scope of the national landscape. Yeah. Nobody in the national media has really had this discussion yet because it's, it's been building for a couple weeks here, you know, and, and we can look at it, even some of the lower down teams in the big sky conference. But I mean, UC Davis going to Brookings and nearly taking South Dakota State at least to overtime. Northern Arizona doing the same with North Dakota, who's like one of the top half teams in the MVFC now. They almost, I mean, Northern Arizona's in like eighth or ninth place in the Big Sky Conference, nearly beat North Dakota in Flagstaff. I think this is the strongest that I've ever seen the conference when I've been covering it. And I, I think, again, people in the national media are sort of slow to catch up to it, and it'll happen a couple weeks after people like us realize it. For sure, and we'll see what happens this weekend. Uh, some pretty big litmus test games these next two weeks. The Idaho Sac State games got me juiced. The Montana Weaver State game that week will be great. 
The Cats have a bye uh, that week. So we have a lot of the top contenders playing each other each of the next two weekends. Uh, last thing for you, Andrew, and the Big Sky Breakdown, by the way, is presented by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, Blackfoot Communications involved in so much of the stuff we do. Couldn't do it without them. Appreciate them uh, for being our awesome partners. They've helped us immensely in the development of this podcast, as well as um, a bunch of the stuff we do at ESPN uh, MT as well. So thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Let uh, Blackfoot Communications help you connect to more. Where where are you at with the magnitude of this game for the Grizz in uh, Sacramento on Saturday night? Huge. Couldn't be huger. I, because the Idaho game and now they've got Weber State coming up after. I mean, it's not... I don't have any sharp-cutting pointed analysis on this. It's just you could go from a team that could have been the number two team in the country. I think we would have seen the Grizz be the number two team in the country this week if they'd beaten Idaho to suddenly a three-game losing streak. Well, if they lose to Sac State and then to Weber. I mean, I'd, Weber, in my I would have Weber as the number one team if I was doing Big Sky Power Rankings this week. Uh, that is a murderer's row. It, it It's huge. It, yeah, I don't know what else to say other than that. Well, it's huge because there's clearly still... There's clearly still a lack of respect for Sacramento State in the league. I, I shouldn't say total disrespect. I think they do have some respect, but like there's, they're never the first answer to the best team, even though they're the number two team in the country. They're undefeated, and they're the two-time defending Big Sky Conference champions. I mean, Troy Taylor's 18-1 and in league play. Like At some point, it's like your record doesn't lie. Like Bobby Houck scoffed at the Big Sky Conference uh, championship reference that I made in the, in the uh, press conference this week, but like – you can say you don't like the unbalanced schedule, but Sac State beat your ass two years in a row. So, like, it wasn't that they missed Montana. Like, he can't say, oh, man, they they missed Montana. That's why they were the Big Sky champions. No, they beat Montana in Missoula in 2021. That's why they were the Big Sky champions. So uh, there's certainly that part of it. I think they have an opportunity for a statement, and it's also just like round three because it's like the the, the team that pointed out the systematic weaknesses of the Grizz defense initially and a lot of people would say Dalton Sneed's injury in that game also had a huge uh, play in it but when the Grizz played down there last time under the lights that was the one of the first times I can remember when you thought Bobby Houck had a team that was pretty flush with his talent got their asses kicked that was a pretty striking moment and then for them to come into Missoula and with this all this narrative behind a revenge game and the Grizz coming off a bye and yada 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 and then Sack just took them apart I know it was only a seven point spread but I mean Sack had like 32 first downs in that game I mean they did whatever they wanted offensively it's an enormous game for the Grizz because they can't let a team in the league show that they can just dissect them for a three-year span well and I wrote this in the first look that'll be coming out at some point also during this week about Sacramento State but Sac State has finally gotten to where Montana has been for so many many years and the hardest thing to do is to take away that success from a team that's only just grabbed onto it right no question and uh it'd be fascinating to see how it all plays out I think the game in Bozeman is going to be a slobber knocker as well. We'll have full coverage for you. SkySportsMT.com. Thanks to all of our great sponsors uh, for hanging out with us. Uh, I think it's thanks to all of you for hanging out with us. Thanks to all of our great sponsors for helping us uh, bring you this and all of our podcasts on the Skyline Sports Podcast Network. Uh, peace out, everybody. Have a great uh, week and uh, keep it tuned. SkylineSportsMT.com. There's a lot of things that make Montana great from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. 
at Opportunity Bank. Our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC.